Hi, welcome to Morning Talk Show. Today is a conversation with Paul Vanderclay. Uh, I've had Paul Vanderclay on the show before. He's a pastor and basically a philosophically minded, very open and curious person who makes YouTube videos, uh, his own, where he uh, works through ideas and comments on the videos of others, and then also interviews with um, people um, more well-known, such as John Verbeke, um, who's one of my favorites, um, all the way to people like me and people who, uh, even people who don't have podcasts or any kind of outlet of their own at all, who just want to talk to him. Um, and he's a fascinating guy because he's He's extremely open and he's extremely practical and honest. And so he he has in his orbit a lot of people, probably a lot of people who are watching this right now, who are all over the spectrum from people who don't have any religious faith uh, to people who are extremely conservative and orthodox to people who are extremely uh, heretical and wild in their thinking. Um, he talks to them all and he seems to find something interesting uh, in all of them. So it was fun to talk to him. I brought to him uh, a question that I've had about kind of um, religious faith um, for a long time, probably for my whole life, which is basically, how do you believe in something like the resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? Um, yeah, even as a Christian, I don't really know how you express a positive belief in uh, the resurrection of somebody. And so we get into that. And I, I was, I enjoyed where the conversation went. Um, the things he was saying kind of stimulated some thoughts in my own head that I was trying to work through and he was trying to kind of help me. Uh, so it was interesting. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it not, not that it necessarily answered the question perfectly, but it definitely was, was stimulating and thought provoking for me. So, um, thanks for watching. Please like, and subscribe, um, on YouTube or on the audio platform that you watch, leave a review if you can. Um, it helps me out. So thanks very much. Here's Paul Vanderclay. Uh, I'll just start. We we've, we've had, we've, we've met each other before, so I'll just say, Paul Vanderclay, welcome again to Morning Talk Show. We've done this twice before, right? We've done this twice before. Yeah, the one I was terrified to put out uh, because of the Jordan Peterson element, and then the uh, the one I did put out. So, uh, what's so what's so scary about the Jordan Peterson element? <laughs> Ask Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe Rogan doesn't seem a bit afraid. <laughs> no, I know it, 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 all of that stuff is really interesting. I think now my now my fear about our first conversation would just be uh, putting myself on display as someone who had basically never done a podcast before. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah. How, how has your day been so far? Uh, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. I wrote my sermon. Um, that was a lot of my day, plus all the other odds and ends that happen in a day for me. So do you write your sermon word for word? No. no. I, I, in the past, I've done manuscripts. I once, you know, I work on things and then when I get a, I usually write it in PowerPoint, actually sort of write an outline and then tomorrow I'll, I'll kind of finish that up and then do a rough draft. And then Sunday morning, I'll go through it again before I preach it. And then I preach it. So. Nice. Yeah. I can't imagine you writing out a manuscript considering how much speaking you do to the camera yeah. on a daily basis. You're pretty, you're pretty used to 
expressing your ideas in a linear format without too many ums and ahs and all that kind of thing. It's painful watching videos of myself. And I was watching the conversation I had with Verveke and Sam and just like, oh, spit <laughs> it out, man, spit it out. But I don't always know what to spit out, especially in a conversation like that where these guys, I mean, Sam is brilliant and so is John and they just make you think so hard. It's like, it's yeah, like, relax my mouth, wait for the thought and then let it out. Oh man. It's good to hear you say that because I, I feel that way with uh, pretty much all the interviews that I do where, you know, I, I I'm a verbal, I, I, I think, I, I, th I think I have ADD or something because I, I, can think a thought best when I can say it out loud, but that does mean you wander around. Yeah. And when when I'm on my own and my thoughts are flowing, I'm speaking out loud. And uh, those are like my Holy Spirit moments where I'm like, holy, I just said something, you know, like, wow, you know, I wish I had recorded that in a way so that I could look back on it later because yeah. I'll never remember. Yeah. But you you have so much documentation. I mean, you're you're great too. And obviously, I mean, that was a great conversation. And Paul, uh, not Paul, you're Paul. John Verveke said, uh, every time I talk to you, I love you more. Yeah. You know, and he he really slowed down to say that too. Like he he's <laughs> he's such a like he, he's so great for that kind of thing. So he you is, pulled your weight. He's, he's tremendously, he's tremendously generous. And we've he and I, I mean, I've got a whole playlist on my channel of all of our conversations. And so we've spoken a fair number of times. And you know, when I watched the four horsemen of meaning video that Jordan did, you could really tell that, that John and Jonathan had spoken more together because it was easier for them to sync up. That's right. part of the point of Dialogos that it's in community that you can actually begin to dance well together. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. My, my uh, the reason I do the podcast is that I, I really like to talk to people I don't know, and uh, getting the rhythm of talking to somebody you don't know is is an interesting thing. Not saying it's always successful, but when it is, it feels it feels really good too. But it's different than when you know somebody well. Um, yeah. So uh, the reason I uh, asked you on again um, was uh, based on a Twitter interaction where I had said. Uh, I'd ask you what your most controversial uh, theological doctrine that you believe, like that you believe, would be, and I didn't know which way you were going to go with that. Um, this is not a theology podcast, but I've become increasingly interested. Well, I've just I've just kind of realized that my thoughts are theological thoughts, not that not in the sense of like I I, I can't expound on. Um, chapter and verse and 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 greek and hebrew or or anything like that but i just kind of i kind of realized that based on my the way that i'm experiencing reality and thinking about reality they're theological thoughts because there are other there are other entities present in my thoughts if that makes any sense that i uh, that when especially when they're going well there's something else going on other than just my own intellect. So anyway, that's a whole, that's a little, a whole other issue. Um, but I, I was interested that, you know, rather than one of those crazy things like apocastatastis or whatever the, you know, that Satan and his angels will be redeemed or, or uh, in the end or something like that, your most controversial theological um, doctrine was 
that the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ was the hope for mankind. I believe is, is how you yeah. is how you phrased it. Is and, the hope for mankind, not just was, continues yes. to be. Did I say was? Is. Yes. Is. Oh, sorry. Is okay. the hope for mankind. Um, and so that made me realize that I really haven't gotten into like we we that kind of of conversation on the podcast before i've talked to people with more um occult beliefs and that kind of thing but i I haven't actually talked to a christian about uh how you come to that kind of belief and it might i mean it might be a question you can answer in two words or it might be something you have more to say about but i guess that's my first question how do you believe in the physical resurrection of someone from the dead that happened, you know, thousands of years ago. Because my parents believed it. All right. Well, Me. nice chatting with you. Um, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> PVK <laughs> believes because mommy and daddy said so. How uninteresting. But so, but there's a deeper point under that, which sure. is a point that I was trying to make a bit in the video that I did today which is that, so Verveke has the relevance realization. And, you know, when I talked to him first about that, I called it a black box and he was very generous when I called it that because that could have been interpreted as an insult. It's probably more like a Russian nesting doll in that relevance realization is this basic move that we make where we select data and because the world is too large and combinatorial explosiveness is real love that one we choose this and we do it often pre-consciously we do it pre-rationally we simply do it because we have to do it well among other things we are certainly have been conditioned to to in this all of our lives and that programming begins even before we emerge from our our mother's womb because we already begin to prefer our parents voices to other voices we know that so that that imprinting and the the transmission of our relevance realization begins before birth and the idea that the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ is historical, that's a very modern framework, is an audacious thing. Now, it's not an uncommon belief. You can find Christians, millions, billions of them perhaps around the world who will testify and say, I believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's right there in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and that Jesus Christ was the first fruits of that resurrection. But it sounds like an absolutely crazy thing to believe because we all know that dead people stay dead. Yeah. And human beings have known this for a very long time. N.T. Wright's book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, is outstanding on this, his chapter about the Greeks. There were all sorts, the Greeks had all sorts of ideas about all kinds of things, but the one thing they were certain of is dead means dead. And that's a pretty difficult belief to, um, to, to falsify. It takes the son of God to do so, but 
our belief in that because of how human beings believe is not that complicated if for you the conditions are appropriate and for me they were my parents were honorable trustworthy good reliable people and they told me so and i believed them and i've believed them all my life now having said that there's a lot of question as to what this profession of mine really means and how deeply that belief actually impacts the decisions I make in my life. That's a whole nother conversation. But when you ask me about, you know, a belief that is just, it's the resurrection. It is basically, I think Christianity asserts that Christ's resurrection was the most real moment, perhaps second only to the incarnation, or, or perhaps incarnation is second only to the resurrection in recorded human history, because it is actually the birth of the renovation of heaven and earth. That's what Christianity puts on the resurrection. And you can find that in the letter to the Colossians, that the renewed creation begins in the resurrected flesh of Jesus Christ. That is an absolutely, well, it, that idea has been transforming the world ever since people began to realize it. And that word realize, you know, I remember when I started to get my head around Verveke's relevance realization, realization always has two sides. It has the upper register, kind of the mental realization, and the lower register, which is the actualization or the incarnation or the embodiment. And so relevance realization was a very crafty um, mm -hmm. formula that he put together. Yeah, to make real. Right, to make real. And so yeah. the resurrection of Jesus, it changed the world and it continues to change the world. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, there's a there's a lot there. I mean, I love that. I love that you just immediately cop to the the fact that your parents believing it was why you initially believed it. Because, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of intellectual pride in in people who who want to feel that regardless of my conditioning, I still somehow forged myself out of stone. You know, and and uh, I came to this on my own. You know, I rejected my past. So that that's amazing. And I, I guess it the other thoughts that come up in my mind is is that there are other things like I have found that the the big transformational uh, things in my life or decisions were more realizations than they were uh, than they were decisions. Um, and I I don't know if this is a good or bad idea, but I told my wife that I realized I wanted to marry her. I didn't decide that I wanted to marry her. It wasn't a decision. I mean, I still had the decision ahead of me to whether or not to ask, but it was like, I had always thought you, you choose somebody, but it's like, no, we, we, we spent some time together. And, and then I realized, but I think the most kind of unusual one for me, which like I'll say as a way to, um, to, to frame how I'm thinking about all these things is that I realized that I believed in, um, evolution. Um, and I talked about this with Tim Freak because he he's convinced that evolution, 
uh, I'm not sure I I'm not sure I believe this or not. It's a neat idea that he he believes that evolution, if properly framed, can be the narrative that we need. And I, I don't I don't know about that, but I I did have in my own um, thoughts on evolution. I was raised to believe that it was not not only was it not true, it couldn't be true. And if it were true, it kind of undermined all of scripture and Christianity. It was basically anti-Christian to believe in it. Um, I was raised young earth creationist. And it was so interesting because I had to experience, I had to note in myself uh, evolution, just personal evolution um, in myself. And maybe I'm just outing myself as being irrational here, but having seen the evolution of myself and the evolution of systems that I was, a, you know, maybe a part of how even um, organizations evolve and, and, and slowly and things kind of change and there's these false starts and everything and, and, uh, and, and that it's such a long, gradual crawling process. Um, it started to feel like that was actually in some way the nature of reality. And so I just kind of instead, in, in, instead, I, I had always thought one day I'm going to sit down and figure out this evolution stuff. I'm going to actually have to read a bunch of science, which I'm not interested in. I mean, you know, not intrinsically interested in and figure this out. But then one day I just kind of realized like, well, I've, you know, I've heard the science over, over the years. We were taught it in school. And, and now I just believe it because I've seen evolution in other ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I, I, I wonder what you mean by evolution. And sure. And I don't know. And this is not an insult to you or saying anything. <laughs> there, there's a way in which you could rightly ask me, I wonder what you mean by the resurrection of Jesus. And I don't know if you know what you mean, because right. these are, we're not even quite sure what they are. We can call them things. We can call them ideas. We can call, but they're, I think they're way more than those than that. And, and right. again, we're not even quite sure what they are. So they're more than calendar events too. Yes, they are. <laughs> um, so, so, so what would you, when you talk about a belief in evolution, because that's very different from, let's say, a, I trust my mother. Um, that, that to me is a very real statement to then to say, I believe in right. democracy. Yeah, no, that's, and that's fair enough. Like I, I, I know I'm, 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 terribly simplifying things. And, and even the other day, someone um, talked about Christianity being true. And I was like, what could that even mean? Like, uh, so yes, I've made a similar type of statement in there. And I guess I don't want to take too much time on evolution, because I'm not passionate about it. But, uh, but I, but I do. um, I believe that the earth is millions of, you know, billions of years old. uh, And, and that, um, uh it, there were and and the, the species slowly and gradually evolved now i i guess i i'm more i'm probably a heretic even in that way because i'm 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 all in with the uh um rupert sheldrake um what is he uh oh, now i can't think of the of the term uh the morphic resonance oh, and morphic resonance. fields and i think there's a lot more uh behind evolution than dead process and all that and i you know uh, I think 
you know, yeah, there's a, there's a whole discussion there that might not be germane, but yeah, I realize that saying I believe in evolution is, is, is very uh, vague, but you, but you did mention that you believe in the physical, um, can't remember how you said it. You believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, but to, um, to kind of unpack what that, how that actually changes your life and how important the historical, you know, almost filmable resurrection of Jesus would have been is a whole different question. So uh, I guess, how would you approach that question? Cause I'm wondering if we are more similar than, than different, you know, because the, the resurrection of Jesus, if I'm honest, is, is a very foundational uh, thing for me as a, as a person. And I guess when I did start watching Jordan Peterson long ago, I was comfortable at that time with it just literally being a, just entirely a literary device metaphor, uh, a, a way to talk about a psychological phenomena. And I, I, I'm different than that now um, in that there is a, there is a kind of a magical transformational um, element to it but anyway how would you how would you unpack the that like where does the physical side of it fit into your belief well there's there's obviously the event nature of it you know i could say my dog puked on the carpet and that might mean that myself or my wife would have to go clean it up because we don't want dog puke on the carpet so it's an event that happens in history the significance of the event and now let's say if actually my dog died a few months ago but let's say oh, if if um, I was concerned my wife and I were concerned about the health of our dog and uh, my wife went off to work early in the morning and I was at home with the dog and the dog puked on the carpet I could text my wife the dog puked on the carpet and given whatever medical concerns we had about the dog the dog puking on the carpet would have significance beyond just sort of this bare fact that the dog puked on the carpet. Yeah. Now the resurrection of Jesus Christ obviously is a far more consequential and important event than a dog puking on a carpet. But the, the I've, I've see, this is where I got to slow my mouth down and say, okay, form your thought and then talk. Well, you're not talking to uh, John Verveke right now, so uh, but you don't need to be intimidated. But it's, but it's not its not a matter of intimidation. I know, it's I'm a matter kidding. of let's let, the, let's let the thought land and not have the mouth working while the thought is still hitting the ground. You know, keep your seatbelt. <laughs> keep your seatbelt on until we've landed on the runway. That's, that's what I have to teach my lips. Fair and enough. I'm, I'm just failing it right now as I explain. There's a lot of debate about, did he walk out of that tomb or didn't he? And actually we don't even in the, in the gospels have a record. We haven't, we have a, a stone rolled away and we have an empty tomb. Yeah. The assumption, of course, is that he walked out. <laughs> what does that mean? I've had people say to me things like, well, you know, if he did, weird things happen. I once had a conversation with a 
former colleague of Jordan Peterson that before Peterson's fame had a had a con was at a conference with him and they were roommates for that conference and they were staying in a haunted hotel. Jordan Peterson actually tells the story on a podcast. I don't remember the name of it of what happened in that haunted hotel that there was a ghost in that hotel that tended to like to open the drawers. And when Jordan and his colleague came back to the room after going out for dinner, the drawers were all open. And they had very good reason to believe that the, the, the hotel staff didn't do it. I mean, the drawers opened in the hotel, that the drawers were substantial enough. It wasn't a truck going by that slowly jiggles the doors. <laughs> the ghost opened the drawers in the hotel. And I was, I was talking to this colleague and, you know, he and I had been talking about some of the general things about atheism and materialism and all of that. And so, you know, in the conversation, he had said that he was Jordan's roommate and that that story was completely true. He was a second witness to it. In other words, Jordan Peterson didn't hallucinate that the drawers were open. What a thing to hallucinate, but hallucinations are kind of crazy anyway. So, so then I asked him, I said, well, how do you account for the drawers opening in the hotel room? Weird things happen, which is no explanation at all, right. except that weird things happen. Yeah. And so people will say to me, basically along the, si the same lines, well, Jesus resurrection. Okay. Even if it did happen, so what? Grandma is still lying in her grave on that grassy hillside in the cemetery where we left her. So you get into the significance question, but the Bible doesn't just leave us with weird things happen. The Bible says to us that we will participate in his resurrection because that weird thing that happened at that tomb outside Jerusalem happened within a historical context where meaning is attached. So again, today's video, I just did a little bit of talking about the fact that part of the way, part of what meaning is among us is the connection of two things. So Northrop Fry looks at the biblical storytelling and pays attention to the fact that the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation, says Sodom is Egypt, is Babylon, is Rome. And it's like, well, they're not even the same categories. Egypt is big and Sodom is a town and Babylon and Rome are cities. What do you mean by that? It connects things. And the truth is all of the connection between our upper mental register and the lower physical, you know, both sides of realization depend on these kinds of connections. And relevance realization in many ways is in fact this kind of connection drawing, which again means that from the time before I was born, my parents have been knitting this, these things into me, drawing these connections. So this thing that happens, which you know, apologists love to fight over because what happened in the modern period is that the dominant question we brought to the Bible was, did it happen? And what we mean by that is 
did molecules in flesh and air move in the ways described by the narrative in that story? The Bible has a much bigger story in which this resurrection of Jesus is connected to us. Mm. And not just connected, say, to my body. I remember in The Walking Dead, there was Herschel early on in The Walking Dead, who was a believer. You know, he had a couple of daughters, and one of his daughters has gone on to be one of the main characters who's endured in that story. But Herschel made a comment in one of the early episodes that, you know, I read about the resurrection and I didn't think it would look like this. Well, fair enough, <laughs> because the story doesn't say we will pop out of the ground and, you know, want to chomp on human flesh mindlessly <laughs> that the what comes what comes out of our graves will somehow be analogous to what came out of Jesus tomb mm. now if i can somehow incorporate that tiny little story and it's in many ways a uh, it's a wispy story. N.T. Wright makes the comment that one of the most remarkable things about the canonical accounts of the resurrection is that they are not embroidered. And what he means by that is that in storytelling, especially about someone of a, who is your hero or master like Jesus, there's always the tendency to embroider it. And what embroidery means, you, you take a bunch of the, the, the finery of the meaning and weave it into the story. And, and what you get from the resurrection accounts certainly is mythological in that it is woven into the, the, the fabric of the story of the Bible, but it is not embroidered. It, it almost has the sense of the people who were eyewitnesses to it. And the Bible is very clear about that point. There, it was, it was the people, Paul of Tarsus and, and 1 Corinthians 15 notes, if I'm going to believe this thing, I should be able to go to Jerusalem and find people that will testify, I saw him before and I saw him after. Hmm. I also saw him crucified. So that's pretty hard stuff and you know ancients weren't dumb and so paul's like i had to go to jerusalem and i had to talk to people who would tell me this and these had to be credible witnesses and even then they had an understanding of what would make a non-credible witness they had to be credible witnesses and i i needed to have that level of belief but that's only the beginning because then the question is can i incorporate that little piece of data into the rest of the story and the imprint that has become me from before I was born. Hmm. Because everything that we've always known about dead people gets reinforced every time we travel to that seminary and put a loved one who's in a box in the ground. Cemetery, not seminary. Right. Cemetery. <laughs> so that's, that's why, because if, if that 
if that story is true and if that connection is true and if the kinds of things that Jesus said about the story and the connection were true and the kinds of things that the apostles taught about that story and the connection are true, that should radically impact my life. Now, let's imagine that I have a ticket on an airline and I'm going to fly out of Sacramento on Southwest flight, blah, 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 blah. And someone says, there's going to be something's going to happen to that airplane and it's going to fall out of the sky. But at that moment, you will discover your superpower of flight and super strength and you will save the aircraft. <laughs> I'd be a little skeptical. Yeah. I'd probably say, I, can, I kind of believe that maybe there's going to be an accident or something. So I'm not going to get on the flight. <laughs> I'm going to stay home. I'm going to take a train. I'm going to drive. I'm not yeah. getting on that plane. Well, if you have faith that the, the flat uh, in it crashing, then you, yeah, the other part would be uh, ir irrelevant. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, I see. I think I see what you mean. So um, this is where the resurrection gets, because Jesus is saying, now, Paul, you, PVK, um, <laughs> I'm going to raise you from the dead. And you're going to reign with me in a new heavens and a new earth. How will that change my life now? Right. Oh, because <laughs> it's it's almost about it's almost as difficult to believe is that I'm going to have superpower and super strength and I'm right. going to save everybody on that airplane and I would yeah. much rather just not get on. In other words, the significance of the significance of the resurrection is almost as big of a hurdle to believe as the physical resurrection itself if not more and you're and yeah yeah and we're so you're kind of make creating a balance um that that says the physical and the um the meaning side the relevance uh are both uh kind of uh broad and yeah very broad implications like huge huge implications for us individually as people and i think that's i think that's really interesting because i'm somebody for whom the um the implications <laughs> no I'm, I'm this is good the implications of the resurrection have always seemed a lot more under my power if that makes any sense they've always seemed like something i could access um like okay i can't access the the physical um resurrection I'm not antithetical to it. I'm not opposed to it. I'm not offended by it, but I can't access it. But I think my, um, what I'm realizing is that my fallacy is probably thinking that the implications, you know, in thinking that the implications of the resurrection were something attainable to me, I was equally devaluing the significance because I'm, I'm <laughs> hi Delia. Uh, I'm talking to Paul. Do you want to say hi to Paul? Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, is that, no, it's my daughter. She's she. Oh, your daughter, even better. Yeah, just say hi. <laughs> just pop up. No, okay. She doesn't want to pop up. Do you need okay. something? Anyway, doesn't matter. This is her. This is her hangout spot. Sometimes when I'm working from home. Um, anyway, oh, 
you're getting your robe. Okay, love you. Go see mom. Um, there she is. Hey, sweetheart. Um, okay. Awesome. Sorry, but yeah, my uh, I, no. This is I. I tell me if I'm sounding s- sounding silly on this, but I've. I guess I'm. I'm now seeing this as I'm situated in, in sort of the middle of a of a continuum, or a continuum may not be the right. I'm. I, I am the balance point between two things. On one on one side we have uh, a wild claim that a human being uh, rose from the dead. On the other side we have the the possibility that uh, I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ, um, and. I'm the balance point, and both of those things are uh, wild, just crazy. Um, and so, there. While while that doesn't make me believe in the physical resurrection in, in, at this moment in any any greater way, it does make me realize that I need to be careful on how I orient myself along that continuum, because I cannot say that I'm all the way over on this side. Um, because that would imply that in, in, in some ideological way that I can, uh, attain the salvation that I seek, which I guess is divorced from heaven and hell right now for me, just on a personal level, but the salvation that I seek, uh, I, I, I can't necessarily skip this and grab this. Do you know what I mean? Um, I'm just kind of interpreting what you're saying. Well, I think that's right. And that gets into all kinds of crazy things like attain. That's not an unfair word. It's the word that the apostle Paul uses, but it is, there's something about this that is not in your power, but yet you're not exactly sure because you do have power in this. Right. And, you know, it's obvious, this is obviously an aspect that, you know, Calvinism and Calvinists have sort of yeah. run around the table around. Yeah. But the, you know, on, in, in the, to the defense of Calvinism, there's, there's, there's nothing you can do to, to, with your strength, effectuate that, the, the, your participation in that story. Because, you know, you know, maybe you're, you're surrounded by your family at a ripe old age and say, okay, I'm going through now. Now, once I, I'm going to try real hard and I'm going to resurrect myself. No, no, no. I've seen, I've seen some pretty strong, stubborn people die. And you know what? They always die. Yeah. They, I, I, a guy recently was 99 years old. Boy, that guy was tough as nails. When he was 97, a guy tried to rob him and he, you know, he, he hit the guy is a 97 year old on his front lawn. You know, he was not going to back down. That dude was tough as nails. He had been, you know, he had been a soldier. He was born right after the first world war. He had been in the army for the the second world war, the Korean war, the Vietnam war. And I mean, I mean, this is as tough as they come. And you know what? Death took him. (laughs) Yeah. At 99, he almost made a hundred. Sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at that. You're just, you're just describing it in a very amusing way. Um, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I know this is interesting. This is sparking thoughts in, in my head. Um, which is where my thoughts usually happen. Um, <laughs> a place for them. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, another, okay, I had another thought and I just want to kind of try to get back to it. We're talking, get it to land on the runway. Um, and oh, I guess it was just regarding, uh, I mean, because there's no denying for me and for many people that the resurrection of Jesus is uh some is a theme in life. It's something that comes up. And I know that, I mean, I was raised by a pastor as well. Um, and so it's not, it's not something that I chose, but it has surprisingly remained relevant, even as I feel like my faith explode, exploded and uh, was laying in pieces on the floor. It's just sort of, it's always been there. And um a question that comes to mind is what, you know, if there was only going to be one person to, to transcend death uh, and, and rise from the dead. And it was Jesus at that time. What is like, what would be a good reason for that to have happened? It's an interesting, it's an interesting thought pattern to go down. Like, no, it doesn't happen. We've never seen it happen, but in this context, you know, if it happened this one time, is there some kind of strange um, uh, coherence to it happening one time and and to one person? And I'm not I'm not necessarily asking you that to answer that question. I'm just saying that's that's kind of you know, and and I think I you I don't know if you've read Mark Vernon's The Secret History of Christianity, yeah. Owen Barfield. Yeah. Uh, Oh, hey, hey, nice. We spoke, uh, we spoke about it on my channel. Yes, I, yeah, of course. Yes, I knew you did. I knew you did because I talked to Mark Vernon and then I was so excited to see other people talking to him. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that one is a, really, is a really great book that I recommend. Like if anybody happens to be watching this podcast and wanting to think about the, the Christ situated in history, that's a really good one because it, uh, my take, my takeaway was that um, that Christ actually arrived on on the physical scene, right, right at the tipping point of the collective participation versus individual participation axial moment, like really the knife edge. And you could say that you could say that the story of Christ is what caused the tip, or you could say that everything up to that point was leading to it. Um, I, that's more where my um, thinking goes. And that's where the book goes, um, where we weren't even like we were developing slowly the capacity to think of ourselves as uh, all, always as an independent individual kind of and and then Christ came and gave a, a template for for how to uh my my take on it is that christ showed us actually how to avoid the pitfalls of that rather than being like we became righteous individuals with christ uh like when when jesus died we and the the whole story of jesus helped us to harness this superpower of being an individual it's almost like hey here's how you don't fuck it up uh like you know sorry yeah, we do every day yeah we do every day <laughs> right of course it's aspir you know it's an aspirational thing we are trying to but and that is i guess that does speak to why it only happened this new life after death 
only happened once because because there because Christ had had a quality that we don't have to do it, but we have to keep trying to do it. We have to keep trying to do it over and over again. And it speaks to what even life could could mean. Like I for me in the story of Jesus, even the word life, even the fact that he rose again from the dead, the word him being alive after that is a spiritual alive. I mean, I guess for Christ it probably there may have been continuity throughout. But for us, if we're going to imitate that death and resurrection, the life on the other side of that resurrection is a different kind of life. If that makes sense. It's well, not I, like you tripped, you fell down, you stood up again and you kept walking. It's like right. you you it's a new kind of life where you are now um somehow yeah, I, I don't know. Take, go start talking. <laughs> Not a problem. You're making me think. I, I had more prepared, kind of. That's I had more coherently prepared things I thought I might say, but anyway. No, that's that's what dialogos and conversation is for. We yeah, they're absolutely. they're little journeys that we don't know where they'll go, and that's what yeah. that's what makes them fun and exciting. I guess the first thing is that C.S. Lewis quite nicely says in his book Miracles that people imagine what we talk about when we talk about the resurrection is the first five minutes after you know easter sunrise on that um first easter and and lewis is quite right when he says that's not really it because lazarus came out of the grave yeah uh we have elijah and elisha and jesus affecting resurrections but part of the poverty of our, our language is that we're using the same word for two very different things if we might call them that yeah because even though it is very clear that the story of christ's resurrection leverages a mythical cyclical story that sometimes we sort of map onto a hero's journey or something like that and jordan peterson will often appropriate it like that and uh, C.S. Lewis goes in into the fact that many other cultures had similar stories and were doing that. And Jesus only used actually uses a similar story once, which is really rather remarkable. And the fact that Jesus happens among the Jews is another interesting aspect to that story. If the wisdom of the Jews and many other cultures to this point could very easily be leveraged against the example of Jesus' life. And that wisdom would be, hey, Aaron, you have a lovely daughter. I'm sure you have a lovely wife. You've got a job. You've got musical instruments and probably some talent. You've got a good mind that you can read books and explore ideas. What's the best life you can live? Well, the best life you can live is probably continue on the track of your family and your daughter and you know hopefully some grandchildren at some point and some success in work and some success in love and some success in fatherhood and you know trips with the grandchildren and maybe even live long enough to see a see your great grandchildren and then at some point when your um physical body is exhausted you will be laid to rest surrounded by loving family and friends that's a good life. It's a very good life. 
And, you know, if you watch It's a Wonderful Life, it's in fact a wonderful life. And this earth affords that. But that is not Jesus' story. It's perhaps to a degree, you know, the skepticism that Jesus was married, and actually I'm going to wander into that in my sermon on Sunday, a little teaser. <laughs> um, in many ways, the argument that, and it's made by this book, The Last Temptation of Christ, well, wouldn't it have been better? for Jesus to live a normal life. And what we mean by normal <laughs> is love, family, success, right. all of those things that the patriarchs had. Hmm. And that Job had, that lost and regained. And Jesus is a strange example because he his life does not look like a patriarch's life yeah. at all. Huh. So, and, and so when I talk to Jacob, who's on the discord server, who's a, um, who's not just Jewish by ethnicity, but Jewish by belief, you know, he'll, he'll, you know, I, I love talking with him about this stuff because he's, he's, I like people who tell me what they really think and they don't, well, I, I don't dare say this to a pastor. I might hurt his feelings. <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Don't treat me like an infant. Um, he'll say, you know, this, this whole, if, if the resurrection would have meant anything, Jesus should not have ascended mm. because yeah. he should have come out of the tomb, said to Pilate and Herod and the Roman soldiers and the, the hierarchy in Jerusalem, how do you like me now? I'm going back to Galilee. <laughs> I'm going to find a young hottie and settle down and have lots of kids and a big farm. Yeah. and." You know, if you come by me, I'm going to start a storm. I'm going to smite your soldiers and you're going to be done. And I'm going to live my best life now. And everybody's going to watch it. Right. And then they're going to lay me to rest in a nice tomb on a hill in Galilee. Right. That's yeah. not the story. Right. Yeah. So what is the story? And what does that story then mean? And that doesn't, doesn't take anything away from sort of the good life of the patriarchs. Of course. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know if you're just winding up there. I have a thought. Am I interrupting no. you? No, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I um, I interviewed Howard Bloom, who I, I uh, is a outspoken atheist. He's written books uh, about atheism and, and that kind of thing. And we we talked about. Um, so I'm I'm honing in on the idea that you're talking about that it, basically by human standards, Jesus did not live a successful life. He was not a success. Uh, and uh, which not is not in any way we would like to be successful, right? Which which was kind of I mean, and even uh, even Howard was saying he was unsuccessful in his even in his predictions for things, and and so, but it, it, in the course of the conversation, we also talked about human luminaries uh, who were successful people. And I really wish I could remember who, who we mentioned, because it was, it was basically like scientific, um, originators of ideas, people like Darwin, or I, I think Darwin may have been one of them. Um, who, a very happy life. Well, uh, yeah, but it, we're talking, I, I guess I'm more thinking about, um, the perception of success, uh, and the, um, 
basically the creation of disciples for for himself which a lot of scientific thinkers have done they've had disciples in schools and institutes build up around them and ideologies even within science build up around them to, to the point that when other data seems to come into play that um undermines rather than uh you know, like the scientific ideal of celebrating this and wow, well, let's dissolve our institution in joy uh, and and frolic in this new, um, you know, revelation. Uh, it's it's more like there's entrenchment and there's people who um, uh, try to force those ideas to stay around. And um, it struck me in the in the course of that conversation that 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 that's what that Jesus in, in a in a weird way um, is an antidote to that kind of thinking and like uh, I, I don't i'm not afraid to say this to offend you as a pastor but it almost feels to me like jesus was saying don't worship me uh emulate me uh like be be like this get to you know christ who being don't in very be a nature and be a disciple yeah christ who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be grasped but instead took on the nature of a servant i, I don't don't know if that's the exact quote but um uh, it's uh and, and so that in a way yeah it was almost a rejection of earthly success uh subsumed to the greater will and the greater good was became the ideal um and 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 if we worship jesus it's only because jesus did this thing that we all need to do and then left the holy spirit behind in order that we can all interface with jesus and with this rejection of supremacy and 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 primacy um i don't know i mean it's 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 very tricky because in this kind of canonical or this Pro, uh, prototypical rejection of supremacy he became absolutely supreme and we're still talking about him 2000 years later um so i don't know I, that that was a little rant but do you have a response well it's it's full of those ironies you know you can you can boil it down to let's say frodo and sam in the lord of the rings sam you know the the shire See, this is where I gotta tell my mouth to relax while my head forms the I the full the full sentence. Frodo saves the Shire for Sam. And in many ways, the journey of the hobbits, while Aragorn wants to save Gondor and Gandalf wants to save all of Middle Earth from Everything. Sauron, Frodo wants to save the Shire for Sam, but Frodo never fully is rewarded with the Shire the way Sam is, because Sam comes back, you know, marries the girl at the bar, has a bunch of little hobbits, and they live half happily ever after. Mm. And, and so I did a conversation with Dr. Jim recently on my channel about story and we talked about this because generally in the hero's journey, what the hero's journey yields is a, a productive, blessed outcome where you have usually the manifestations or the, the mythical manifestations of productivity, which usually involve 
a man, a woman with the potential of children and a family and that. And so there's, there's something deeply built into the story. And in the Christian story, when you get to the book of Revelation and the end of it, you have that in the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. It's not, it's not necessarily mythologized as a romantic couple with the potentiality of having children, but it's a whole new world that comes mm. about. But okay. the, the question that Jesus challenges us with, and this is, this is a long conversation within Christianity that, that gets into Protestant versus Catholic, monastery versus the nuclear family, all of these kinds of tensions in that what, okay, so you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Which kind of disciple will you be? Will you be a monk? So Martin Luther was going to be a lawyer until he has this scary ride through the woods and a very, I don't know if you've ever been in the woods in a close light, a close thunderstorm storm, but it's pretty terrifying. Mm. You know, he falls on the falls on the forest floor and cries out to Saint Anne, save me, I'll become a monk because he was worried about his immortal soul. So mm. he goes into a monastery. Now he, of course, will become the revolutionary that destroys right. monasticism and exchanges it for the nuclear family. Mm. But the, the monastery and the nuclear family are actually both sort of also pointing to this generative future. And there's kind of two tracks. And of course, Protestants and Catholics sort of vie. And I think Catholic doctrine of the family is, is maybe an attempt to maybe cane ground from some of the Protestants. And I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there's layers. But, but, this, but this question of, Basically, what Jesus says is, if you live like me, you will die like me, and you will be raised with me. That's, in a sense, this, the gospel story in a very tight little nut. But right away, when we hear that story, we think, what does it mean for me to live like him? Does that look like a monastery? Does it look like the nuclear family? Does it look like what what does that look like? Because even though, you know, for a while, everyone was running around with these rubber wristbands that said, what would Jesus do on it? <laughs> the question is not so easily answered, given the fact that we are not Palestinian fisher. We are not Galilean fishermen. <laughs> right. Yeah. And even when you boil down to the story of the apostles, well, were they successful? On one hand, dramatically so, because I no one changed the world like Jesus Christ and continues to do so. At the same time, they didn't look like you know the lifestyle of the patriarchs. So these are all hard questions. Yeah. And it's it's so personal and it needs to be so embodied uh when you you know, when you realize rather than decide, as we said earlier, you kind of, you kind of realize it's almost like you have a moment where uh, you think, what would I release control over my death for? For what would I release my primacy? For what would I relinquish respect of human beings? Um, and you know, while still loving them, of course, 
because there are people who I think think feel they've given themselves over. I mean, they're insufferable, and it's one of the reasons Christianity is so difficult. They've given themselves over to righteousness, uh, and they think they've forsaken all you know all of this world. But they're not. If if you're not loving people as well, it's it, you know. But, and and something that came another thing that came to mind. Man, you got me ranting here, but. Um, uh, something that seems true to me is that Jesus, one of the defining characteristics of Jesus in on earth was that he was present to the people and in the moments where, where he was. And, and there's countless examples of him doing something that wasn't part of his, you know, schedule for the day uh, or schedule for life. He basically had one end that he had to get to, that he knew he had to get to at the end. And, but for, for the other things, it's like, well, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't on the, on the schedule, but when he saw people's pain, he wept when he, when he was face to face with someone, he healed. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think that's kind of, uh, I see it as a, as a rejection of a sort of templated, uh, ministry or a templated um, ideological way to live your life. It's almost like um, being like Christ is specifically always rejecting uh, the template uh, in favor of uh, whatsoever the hand findeth to do. Uh, you know, <laughs> or I don't know if this is la- like you're nodding. So I guess I'm not sounding completely stupid. No, but- no, 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 no. Um, there's a strangeness to this because with everything that we've just said about the the strange shape of Jesus life and monastery versus nuclear family or something like that, Mm. one might get the impression rightly so from what Jesus has to say in many occasions that the path of discipleship is hard and strenuous and requires our absolute focus, concentration and sacrificial rigor. There's, there's nothing you will read in the Gospels or in the New Testament that, that doesn't give us that lesson. But then you have at the same time, the other thief on the cross. And <laughs> they both start out, you know, dumping on Jesus, dunking on Jesus. And then, you know, in, in one Gospel, one of them pauses and says, hey, wait a minute. You know, uh, you and I, we know what we did. You know, it's, it's not playing games here. The guy in the middle, you know, we we all know his reputation too. You know, he he didn't collect a cache of arms. He didn't knife Roman soldiers or 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 Jewish collaborators with Rome in the street. He healed. He blessed. He preached, and here he is by us. And then he says, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." And, and Jesus says, sure, okay. <laughs> surely you'll, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. And it's like, what, what, what happened to all of the, 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 the rigorous discipleship we were just talking about? But right. this Christianity is that thing. It stretches from, it stretches from the, the assertion that the, the most determined Christian the most determined, cruciform, self-sacrificial Christian cannot, by their efforts, attain this. All of their yeah. efforts will be insignificant to achieve it. Yet, this 
schlub who's yeah. lived a horrible life in no way connected with discipleship. Yeah. And in a moment of true faith, receives what the other would. Yeah. That's well, yeah. That's, you know, what do we do with that? It's this terror, it's the it's the sort of terribly uh somber realization that uh maybe maybe we have the privilege of purposeful suffering for Christ and that that's actually the reward <laughs> which is only only can i say that after being a parent for 9 years and having it ground into my head that the most horrible suffering of my life uh has been the most re- like redemptive and impactful thing that i could have done and I'm not, I'm not saying people have to become parents. I'm not saying they have to become, you know, uh, monasteries or priests, but I guess that's, that is the thing that is the thing that unites the monastery and the, and the nuclear family is that everyone who in, in there, who takes it upon themselves to really be present there, um, is taking on a suffering for the sake of others and for the sake of, of, of God. Um, and that, that turns out to be the the reward yeah. um well not not all the reward we hope but there certainly is reward in it sure because i mean in this in this life in this life that's that's the reward i guess maybe that's the reward that we can see or i don't know i don't know how to yeah even as i start yeah. to talk i'm saying i should shut up uh-huh. but go ahead <laughs> no uh, th- that's right that's right and the you know the monk who has spent their life in renunciation they've they've you know not pursued romance they've not pursued business ventures they've not pursued establishing an estate we would hope that the monk's life well lived would mean that the monk would at the end say i'm glad i did it this way it sure cost me a lot but yeah um this was looking around at his brothers or her sisters in the monastery would say no I'm this I'm I'm here with you all and um we will be together again soon. And the same that the 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 father or the mother with with the children and grandchildren huddled around say that um wow, yeah, because to be a parent is to is to suffer. And mm. and it's that way again back to sort of the the mythical aspect of this that yeah, you know, um these all this this pattern of cruciform suffering on behalf of the other this of course is you know the peugeot's big point this path of cruciform suffering that we find in the gospel plays itself out every successful parent um brings a brings a child into development and adulthood at the expense of their own life maybe in tiny little increments in terms of attention and all of the money and all of the time and all of the blood, sweat, and tears, every what it is, it is sacrificial, sometimes substitutionary suffering that brings life into this world. And that that pattern is certainly right there in the gospel. And Jesus goes to, you know, goes to the extreme of it by basically saying, It is my cruciform life that in fact regenerates all of the cosmos wow well we that that is the claim we just came through epiphany and uh 
uh, th this is my first uh, year as an Anglican, I guess. I guess I'm an Anglican now. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this is my first year being involved in services and things uh, in an Anglican context. So this is kind of my first epiphany. Uh, and the and maybe I've got it wrong, but the the um, the epiphany to me is almost like uh, the center of the infinity sign um, where on one side is death and on one side is, is birth, um, it, you know, and, and there, there's this weird balance, like Christ was, um, well, let's see if I can express this, man. Um, Christ was moving always moving towards so it, it's 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 almost like um i i'm, I'm going to compare it to um giving birth a, a woman becomes pregnant and um in that moment she is now on the path to this terrible painful thing that is also a birth and it's it's now i mean it's one of the things we do we we commit to things and they are um, if, if we stay, stay in them, they lead invariably to the end where, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to describe it, except that the birth of Christ and the death of Christ seem to be this very um, uh, connected, cyclical, cyclical thing. And, and so we, if, if we can somehow die like Christ, which is very, uh, complicated idea anyway but we we are born like christ i i'm gonna i'm petering out there but do you have any any responses well they are part of what's what's difficult to sort of mark some of these things is that the so you have the incarnation the birth you have the crucifixion you have the resurrection you have the ascension you have the final judgment i mean the whole thing just sort of you're right in that you can you can you can sort of collapse it and have it be real small or you can pull it out and have it be real big but the things do connect and there is you know there is a there is a way in which our lives are similar too i mean we we come into this world helpless and if we live long enough you know, we, we, they, they, they slap a diaper on us when we come in the door and they're slapping diapers on us as we're ready to head out. Um, the, 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 the uh, you know, the, the, the not terribly, the not terribly lovely truth about yeah. us, but there we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but now in terms of, let's say, if you view life through a Christian lens, of course, that new diaper hood that comes at the end is also going to be the door to a new beginning. And that's part of the problem with the materialist story is that your book ended with diapers. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got a, you got a big bang at the front end and you've got the cold death of the universe at the back end. Right. Oh, okay. That doesn't even really work. Linear. Yeah. Very linear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. And and 
I heaven, I mean, you, you want to talk about having a hard time with a belief in the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, heaven and hell is is one that I'm not even uh, even close to as far down the road with as as uh, as believing in in the physical resurrection. Um, but I, I know what you mean because the um, I, I talk about this with a friend that the uh, materialist um, the, the you you begin to find the that the materialist way of looking at the of things of with dead matter everything is just dead matter um, you know. Uh, it's not useful in life uh, for for many different reasons, which I won't go into all here. But it, it's not useful in life. But then you realize, oh my goodness, the implications, like the implications of not believing that, are pretty, pretty weird and 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 pretty, pretty big. Like you know, it, it, I don't know if this is making sense. It's like you without believing in any spiritual powers without believing in god or 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 jesus as anything more than than human beings if you start to make that turn where where uh there is life outside of the physical processes then it's it's a pandora's box that uh i i don't know maybe one day heaven maybe one day heaven will be real to me too i i i don't know because i can't go back to rejecting I can't go back to rejecting anything other than physical, uh, you know, physical processes that, that it's just, it doesn't work. I mean, maybe I will, but never say never, but I can't imagine it. And yet it is a Pandora's box and, and all these things, all of these spiritual beliefs are, are in the box somewhere, uh, whether we get to them or not. Well, the, the problem with a lot of conceptualizations that have been pretty prevalent in some corners of the church has been sort of this fixation on heaven and hell. And part of the problem with that is heaven and hell are basically sort of geography. And the main story is, now I'm going to sound utterly, those, of, those, those listening from my own tradition are going to sort of gasp because I'm going to sound utterly traditional, creation, fall, redemption restoration that's that's the that's the story in this direction and and heaven and hell um are 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 basically a horizontal geography because at the end of the story you get new heavens and new earth so it's mm. the it's the rest it's the renovation of all things mm. and and hell which has been you know which especially in western european christianity became a tremendous preoccupation in terms of hell avoidance. Now, I say all of this not to not to be skeptical about hell. I am not. I, I am not a, a universalist. Hell, hell is partly. Hell is a lot of different things, but it is the the story of Christ is finally about our participation with Him in the renovation of all things. Now, there are going to be those who do not want to be involved. And at that point, God says, your will be done. I mean, that's, that's sort of Lewis's, Lewis's take, that right. this, is a, this is a party which is coming, and what God will not allow 
to happen is for some to spoil the party for others. There's a whole lot of spoilage going on right now in this world. Um, in any neighborhood, in any family, in any situation, there's always someone who's spoiling something for someone else. Mm. And at that point, um, God says, no, my, my wedding must be full and the party will commence and there will be no party poopers. Now, that's the story. What, you know, what gripped much of Western Europe was hell avoidance, which, yeah, there's lots of things I, that are important to avoid. But hell avoidance, when hell avoidance becomes the preoccupation of the gospel, well, that's sort of like dressing for a wedding and, you know, being terribly anxious about missing it. Well, okay, you should be a little anxious about missing it. Um, you know, keep track of the time, get <laughs> ready for it. But the point isn't missing the wedding. The point is the wedding. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I uh, it, it is it is tricky because I get you. And, and I just read The Last Battle. Uh, so I haven't actually read... Lewis talking about uh, heaven and hell. I've read The Great Divorce and I've read The Last Battle, which I think in a narrative sense are the ways that he that he um, like addressed it, but I'm sure he addressed it in other ways too. But um, and and he has a whole di bunch of different reactions to to heaven, like the the some of the creatures who don't uh, who who don't like the face of Aslan go into a shadow and and nobody sees them again. He doesn't he doesn't specify. But uh, it, it kind of, yeah, it, it's kind of an interesting thing for me. I, I, didn't, I wasn't planning to get into hell, but um, my, my sense is that um, the reality of God is that if you, the reality of God is that our, our, our barriers against God are, um, are holding us back from something wonderful. Um, that that we're it's holding us back from seeing the coherence and the beauty of reality and uh, that that God has made, and it's 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 hard for me to imagine if that were revealed to you. It's hard for me to imagine the same uh, having the same reaction as you had when you were blind. You know, when when you couldn't see it, when you had barriers to seeing it. It's it's like uh, it's like if an incel were to uh, who's just bitter against women and hasn't seen one, hasn't touched one, uh, were to experience the genuine love of a woman. Uh, you know, it, it's hard. To, it's hard to imagine. I mean, they can be they, they could be so far gone in this case, because in that example, we're still talking about human beings and human beings can just get destroyed. You know, like he, human beings, our perceptions of the world can get so off and so damaged that you can't see the people in front of you, um, which is, gets back to Jesus being present with everybody. But um, but it's hard to imagine that that at the end of days, um, that that sight wouldn't be restored. You know what I mean? Uh, that 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 God wouldn't restore the sight of those people, so that they could actually see. Um, you know, maybe they see people like trees walking when they're on Earth, 
right? If you remember the uh, <laughs> the yep. blind yep. man, yep. Um, but there's two there's two types of sight given, and yep. if you get that second sight where you're really seeing things the way they are, could you could you reject it? I I don't know. Anyway, this is a, I'm sure we'll talk with I'm sure I'll talk with Nate Heil about this uh, and Jedediah. Well, those are these are very hard questions. Yeah. Anyway, I I, I, I the, the the question of evil is is a difficult thing. Yeah. Because in in many ways Christianity frames the goodness so strongly that why would you why would you not want this? But yet yeah. the story of us is that we choose it. Yes. And so there's there's a lot of mystery there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just as I, I mean, I couldn't choose salvation. Uh, I couldn't claim that I chose any kind of salvation with all the all the available data. <laughs> you know, uh, I. Uh, it, it, uh, anyway, it's interesting that we give people so much agency in the choice to reject salvation, uh, and and that implies to me that we have such great agency in the choice to receive salvation um uh and 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 for my this is the most christian conversation i've ever had on this podcast so if anybody is shaking their head i like i i they probably would have clicked off by now. yeah exactly it's 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 adhd youtube territory and they've unsubscribed but uh anyway uh we'll risk it but yeah um i don't know this is this is great stuff though i just feel like i could talk i don't i feel like i could talk about it all day long but suffice it to say i think there's been some good um really really interesting points made i mean to, regarding the the resurrection of christ um i feel like there is somehow there is a mysterious um like a, it, it, to put it in christian language it's only through grace that we could even uh have a desire to address the issue with seriousness and it's it's maybe the it's it's maybe that addressing the issue with seriousness and with as much of our self as we can manage, that is, I don't know, it, that, it, that is now feeling to me like, like uh, the, the thing, the realization that we, that we should be grateful for, um, it, if we, yeah, I mean, because there are many people in this, on this earth who, and I'm not, making a qualitative statement that they're not as good as me or as smart as you or as smart as me at all. But it, there is a certain element of like, uh, you either, you either intrinsically or in, internally want to engage with this issue at, or you don't. And, and if you do, it's, it's the wrestling with it, you know, either you're either it's, you know, it, it, it's like the opponent processing thing where um, the resistance that it causes in your life forces you to engage with something or is is the way that you engage. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, I, I'm on the edge here. But uh, that, that's that's kind of where that's kind of where my uh, mind and heart are at after hearing what you said. It's like uh, I realize that that I if you focus on the physical resurrection, um, which honestly hasn't been something I've been like dying over, but it's if you focus on that as the impossible thing that needs to be overcome, you might forget that 
the actual life of faith and the imitation of Jesus is another impossible thing. Um, in other words, I can't give myself the credit for doing the one or the other. Uh, and that both of those things just keep me on this continuum of some kind of tension that is productive. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Which is going to be meaningless to people who aren't on that, who aren't there uh, or aren't, aren't wanting to be on that continuum. But yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know if it'll be. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I'm sure you'll find out in the comments. Yes, please leave comments. Uh, yeah, I, uh, anyway, yeah, this is this. Hopefully, this one will generate some comments because most of my comments are like, great conversation. And then I see comments on your on your videos and then, you know, your Twitter is so active and your little corner of the internet is so interactive that, uh, I'm, I'm kind of craving that. So, so people do leave comments. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, I, I, I hate to go out on me giving a rant. Um, do you have anything you want to add? I rant all the time. I've got so much ranting on the internet. It's not funny. I don't, <laughs> I don't necessarily have to do it on your channel. I got, I got my own channel to rant on. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I, you don't, <laughs> you don't need this platform. Um, but, uh, anyway, yeah, I really appreciate this. This is, this has been, fascinating um i hope it translates to other people because it is like as i attempt this dialogos uh thing it i i uh, i find myself processing in yeah. front of this camera um yeah. so for good or for ill yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I really i do appreciate the opportunity uh and and for your generosity of of being here with me well, it was, I thought it was a great conversation and I look forward to seeing what, what comes of it. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Thank you. Likewise.